numbers are not always the best way to measure the success of your business. Now, I know that we all want our business to grow exponentially each year and to always be on the up and up. And that's actually how it is often marketed on social media. You see a lot of these coaches or course creators or other influencers, and they always talk about how they had the best year yet, how they doubled their income year by year. But that's just not always the case in reality. Welcome to the Full-Time Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Lee, and I'll be sharing industry knowledge and social media tips through weekly interviews with established creators and Q&A sessions. Our goal is to help you decode social media, become a full-time influencer, and do what you love for a living. Let's dive in. Hello, creators. Welcome back to the Full-Time Influencer Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be sharing with you the five lessons that I learned in 2023, not just as a content creator, but also as an online business owner. This is kind of like a mini year in review. I'll give you a little bit of context, but really it's these five core lessons that I learned that I know you will find really helpful as well. So to start, I'll give you a little bit of context of roughly how the year went or like where my mind was at, especially in the beginning to the middle of the year. So 2023 was actually not my highest revenue year of my business, but I have to say it was by far the happiest year I've had as a human being and as a business owner. A lot of it was in a work, was just mentally, I was in a really good place as I came out of my own little bubble of burnout because I had started the year with really high hopes. I had lofty goals and I had multiple new hires. I was hoping to grow a brand new YouTube channel. I was continuing with this audio podcast. I was trying to post very consistently on Instagram and then repurpose that to TikTok and YouTube shorts. And I was trying to manage all of these new hires and new agencies and and so on. And uh, that turned out to be a lot. And honestly, sometimes my business wasn't going exactly the way that I wanted them to go in. So after a while, I let go of our marketing strategist and our social media manager that we had for a few months, a Facebook ads manager that we've actually been working with for a while, and two podcast management agencies uh, because I decided to take a break from the podcast. And to be completely transparent. These were all really great people that I worked with. I thoroughly enjoyed working with them. They were talented in their own ways. And I would absolutely work with them, all of them, again, if that was what our business needs right now. But at that time, it simply wasn't what my business needed. What my business needed actually was more clarity of the direction that we wanted to go in. What it needed was consolidation of what we currently have. It was to build better systems. It was to really just take time to set better foundations for our business, to get more structure, clarity for our team, existing longer term team members before adding on new team members. And so I let go of a lot of these people over time. Obviously, this was not like all together. It was over a span of uh, several months in the first quarter or so. And at that time, I just thought, oh, I'm not a good leader. Maybe it's better to shrink my company back down to a really lean team of just like 
two long-term team members and we also have our video editor because he is fantastic. Um, I love working with him, but I just was producing less videos. And at that time I, I thought, oh, I don't want to manage people and I must not be good at it. And to be honest, I really love having a small team. I love just only having to communicate with a few people and I trust them. I love working with them. And I think part of it is because I'm an introvert. So I do prefer to not have to spend most of my time communicating. Um, I also think that this makes our company really agile. We are always flexible for change. We can launch products really quickly. However, it also meant that I was constantly the bottleneck of my business, especially when it came to strategizing, filming, moving projects forward, hitting certain goals, and, and lots more. And ultimately, if I stepped away from my business, it would stop moving forward completely. And quite frankly, that's not truly a business. It's more like a one woman show still. So throughout the year, I was still posting pretty consistently, I would say on the Tina Lee Instagram page, just my creator content, my travel content. And I was taking frequent breaks from our full-time influencer Instagram and obviously like a really long break from this podcast. Now, on the surface, if you didn't look that carefully, you might think that everything is just running as per usual and that everything was just great because that's what you see on social media, right? But I essentially had pretty much stepped away from my business and I needed a, a mini hiatus or, or a big break. And during this time, I learned a lot of things going from having high hopes to then uh, letting go of a bunch of people, thinking I'm not a good leader, taking a huge break, going to eat, pray, love, and then now creating new products at the end of the year, our photo travel guides, and then things picking back up, especially with brand deals, and then gaining new clarity at the end of the year um, with a new hire, a new business manager, and the new direction for 2024. So that's the gist of it. Okay, some background. And with that being said, I want to share with you the five key lessons I learned in this year, my seventh year as a content creator and fourth year as a business owner slash online educator. The first lesson I've learned is that while there may be seasonal fluctuations in brand deals, if you have a strong personal brand, the deals will always come back to you. Now, I wonder if you've had this feeling where maybe you go through a few months of not getting many brand deals and you think, oh no, everything is coming, crashing down, and my career is about to come to an end. I've definitely experienced that many, many times in my influencer career when some of my brand deals slowed down. And earlier this year, I actually had a pretty slow start to the year. And I noticed that a lot of my influencer friends experienced the same thing. And Lo and behold, when we got to July and August, suddenly the brand deals came flooding back in to the point that I was able to sign over $100,000 in just one month, which is pretty crazy. And so what I realized is that each year people will keep talking about how it's the end of the influencer era, like de-influencing, etc., etc. However, 
the reality is when you have a strong personal brand, when you aren't just someone who, let's say, posts pretty pictures but provides no value to your audience, then brands will always come back to you. Or when you are someone who creates unique content or when you are someone who has a really close bond with your audience or you're someone with a very elevated brand image, brands and brand deals will always come back to you. The best thing that you can do ultimately is always give it your best so that these people trust you to deliver no matter what's happening in the social media landscape. So that's brand partners, that is PR companies, the people who work there, and all of the platforms where you sign specific deals. You want to be giving it your best to all of these people so that they understand that you are trustworthy, you're reliable, and that they would enjoy working with you. I've been at it for over seven years and I've worked with many reputable brands and agencies. I've had several repeat clients like Adobe and Shutterfly for three consecutive years, but I've also had the same PR agencies reach back out for various different brands. This shows that they really enjoyed working with me for a previous brand partnership and so they trust me to deliver on another campaign with a totally different brand. And I think that's the reputation that you need to build for yourself as a creator, as an influencer in this space and also be unique and recognizable so that brands will always have you on the top of their mind and want to reach back out to you or want to reach out to you in the first place to work with you. The second lesson I'm going to share is more of a business lesson and this is something I've really had to learn over the last three years as I'm looking a lot at my numbers in terms of reach, follower count, and revenue, profit, you know, profit margin, and all of that. And the lesson that I learned is that numbers are not always the best way to measure the success of your business. Now, I know that we all want our business to grow exponentially each year and to always be on the up and up. And that's actually how it is often marketed on social media. You see a lot of these coaches or course creators or other influencers, and they always talk about how they had the best year yet, how they doubled their income year by year. But that's just not always the case in reality. You may have you know, one or two years or three or four years where your revenue is always doubling or growing significantly. But you may also have a year or two years where you don't hit your goals at all. Or there are situations and circumstances, whether that's in the economy or the industry, or even in just the general world political landscape that are completely out of your control. So now that I'm in my fourth year as a business owner, a course creator, I have really decided to measure my output on whether I have tried my best, whether I feel aligned with what I'm doing rather than what is my total revenue and are my profit margins super, super high and did I grow X amount more than last year? Similarly, growth on social media also is not linear. As much as we'd like to think that each year I want to grow by, let's say, 20,000 followers or 100,000 followers, it simply doesn't work that way. Oftentimes it is a slow climb up or it may be an explosion up and then a small 
down downward trail for a while before you have another、um, step up. And that's what I experienced in my career. I've had several plateaus in my growth, and sometimes I would have explosive growth for a short period of time due to some viral content. And I have really learned to not focus on setting number goals for my follower growth because I know that that ultimately is, at least the timing of it, is not always within my control. I can control what type of content I put out there. I can control how consistently I post, but I can't always control exactly when the growth will come in.、Um, and so, I just really like to set goals where I have been consistent. I've made sure to upkeep my brand image, and also in the past. Two or three years or so, I haven't really focused on follower growth、um, because reach does actually decrease over the years. So I know that you know with follower growth, if it doesn't always mean good reach and good engagement growth, then I'm not super keen on it. I welcome it when it does happen, but I really want to make sure that the engagement also comes along with it as much as possible. And so this year, although I also didn't really intend to focus a lot on growth, I did、uh, see a lot of growth、uh, during a three-month period where I had several viral reels that really helped me gain really high-quality targeted audiences because the reels were a lot more of original content. It could be content about my story or my travels and also my beliefs, and so I felt like those really attracted. The right audience for me. So, with this second lesson, what I'm really trying to express is that by not focusing as much on your numbers, you're really able to focus more on finding alignment, building a strong brand, and also building a real relationship with your audience.、Um, focusing on quality content than just trying to chase blindly chase numbers, and because numbers ultimately. Aren't really a true reflection of how well your business is going, or how healthy it is, and also how much impact you actually have on the world. The third lesson I learned also is more about business, but I would say also it's more about wealth and wealth building, and that is that the best way to build sizable wealth in the beginning is to focus on one hero product. And then once you've accumulated your first lump sum, then you can start to diversify your revenue streams in your business. Let me explain what I mean by that. When I first worked as a creator, I only had brand deals as my primary income source. And then in 2020, when my full-time influencer course launched, that also became a huge chunk of my annual income. And from 2020 to 2022, I relied mostly on these two sources of income: brand deal income and course income. And through these main sources of income, I was able to build the majority of my wealth. In the first few years, and I didn't spend too much time to try to build new products, many many products, or build many many channels. I really just focused on my strongest channel from 2020 to 2022, and then focus on my strongest revenue streams. I didn't try to really focus on affiliate income or consulting or you know other UGC content creation, etc.,、uh, because I knew that these two were my main sources of income, and I needed to focus on scaling these first. 
Of course, I did create some new channels like starting a TikTok page or starting this podcast or also attempting to start my YouTube channel in early 2023, although that didn't get very far yet, yet. <laughs> so although, of course, I did do that, my primary focus in terms of building wealth and my income sources were still the two same things, brand deals and course income. And I did not veer from that. However, it has already been, let me think, about four or five years since I've been making this income from brand deals and course income. So uh, this year, I actually decided to start something different to create a new product series, which is my photo travel guides for Japan, Paris, New York, and London. And up until now, I hadn't created a new product in quite a while. And this was a very exciting project. And what this means is actually now that I have my main hero product which is you know my two courses but also all of my brand deals these are bringing the main source of income they are going well I have built the foundation and now I'm branching out to other products only after I have made sure that these are my main focuses right I'm not jumping to focus on multiple income streams before I have really perfected my hero products and so this year, I really felt like was the year for me to start other products and our travel guides have been really well received, really successful. I'm really happy about how it's going and I already see it becoming a six-figure or multiple six-figure income next year. And so now, instead of only having two main sources of income, I have the capacity to also keep up with another new source of income. And then next year, in 2024, I'll be able to really diversify my income streams and I can pick and choose which one of these income streams I either enjoy the most or want to focus on the most or is the most lucrative, you know. So now that I have built up the first chunk of my wealth and income source, I have further diversified that and I can choose which ones I want to scale back or which ones I want to scale up. So, you know, in 2024, I could say, okay, 2024 is a year that I'm going to really pitch super hard to brands and I want to scale my brand deal revenue by increasing it by 50% and I want to scale back on let's say one of the courses because that's less of my focus now and then I want to also scale up on this these digital products these travel guides now that's just an example that's not exactly what I have in mind but yeah that's just an example to illustrate that once you already have that concentration of wealth from the beginning and now have been able to build more products using the wealth that, that you built in the beginning, you're able to then diversify your income streams even more, which means that you have a business that is very flexible based on what is most in alignment with you in the moment. Now, as we're going through these lessons, I would really love to hear from you. I want to know if these kinds of things are helpful for you. I know what I just shared is a little bit more of a business lesson and almost like a money lesson um, and not entirely just an influencer lesson, although it does tie back to that. So I would love to hear from you if you could just DM me and let me know if you also enjoy this type of content. Are you an aspiring creator who wants to get paid to be yourself and do what you love? Well, I have a free training that will help you achieve exactly that. This training will cover the four steps to landing paid brand deals even if you don't have a ton of followers so you can start growing and monetizing your social media following. 
Save your spot today at SuccessfulInfluencer.com slash training or head to the link in the description. Okay, now the fourth lesson that I have learned, especially this year, is that scaling pains is a real thing. Now, if you're not familiar with what scaling pains means, basically it is um, the pain that you experience as a business owner and as a business or company as a whole when you try to go from a one-person business or a tiny like three-person business um, to a structured uh, many, many team member business. And when you really try to scale your revenue past a certain point. Now, I wanted to talk about scaling pains because... I personally have kind of gone through that when I was trying to increase my team size, but then my structure was not in place for that to actually happen efficiently and effectively. And also, I have seen other creators go through scaling pains themselves. And it was very interesting to sort of observe this from the sideline because I'm seeing a lot of creators hiring, making new hires or creating new series and putting a lot of budget behind it because they have a very lucrative business and they're like, okay, I'm going to go big or go home. But then they realize that, oops, this series was not a hit or oops, this hire was not the right hire for my business in the moment. And they're going through a lot of learning experiences and scaling pains. And what I have learned from that is that if your company is not ready or prepped for scaling, then you will only be adding more pain and complexity by adding more employees or creating an entirely new series to try and go viral or get a lot of increased reach through that. So before you decide to hire more people to try and scale your income like I did earlier in the year, you want to really make sure that you are clear on your upcoming goals and making sure that they are really realistic. You also want to make sure that the back end of your business is as streamlined as possible. And what I mean by that is, do you have systems in place for the data storage? You know, maybe for all of your content, where do you store it? Do you sort it? Do you label it? Do you tag it? Do you have SOPs, which is standard operating procedures, set up for the key activities in your business? Let's say you do live consulting each month. Do you have an SOP for that? If you constantly create and post on Instagram, do you have a processes? Do you have a workflow for that that flows really well and that every person in your team can quickly pick up and take on? You know, so that applies to everything like email drafting and publishing, podcast editing and publishing, etc. You really want to try and set up as many processes and systems as possible before you start to invite new members. Because the more structure that you have, the easier it is for your new members to catch on and to pick up the workload and also to be useful and contribute. And, you know, that's also very important for them to feel fulfilled in their job as well, right? And so these are all the things that I kind of learned. And when I hired new people, it actually created more work for me. I was hoping that I would hire more people so that I could do less work. But for some reason, because I was not in a place where my workflow was really smooth, and I also was still testing different platforms, and I wasn't super clear on the direction or I wasn't super determined like 
I'm definitely going to be uploading like one episode a week or something like that. And so very quickly, our workflow broke down and stopped working. And so I had to let go of people because I no longer needed them because our workflow, our structure was not working, not because they're not good team members or that they're not capable. It really was on my part that I wasn't organized enough and I didn't have enough structure in my company. Now, I really hope that wasn't too vague for you, um, but I do want to share something with you that is very exciting. And if you listened to the last episode, you would know that I actually recently made a very new hire and I hired a new online business manager. And I really feel like now is finally the right time for my mental space and also for my business to be hiring this business manager. And to explain a little bit, an online business manager is pretty much an operations manager, but part-time remote role for a smaller online business. Usually these businesses are doing you know, under a few million dollars in revenue, but over several hundred thousand dollars a year in revenue. So your OBM acts as a second in command to help strategize your next steps in business. Some of them specialize in marketing, while others may be experts in customer service. And they also help to manage your upcoming projects or launches. They help to break it down into smaller tasks, ask you the relevant questions, and then delegate them out to your various team members and help keep everything and everyone on schedule. Now, historically, I had always taken these roles myself, but quite frankly, operations is not my strong suit. I'm not always on time or organized. So oftentimes I would become the bottleneck of my business and slow down my team's workflow. And then it doesn't give them enough clarity. And uh, I also, like I mentioned, have a harder time keeping myself accountable when I'm the only one enforcing deadlines. And with our new OBM, she's only been on board for, uh, I think, almost two weeks or just over two weeks. And I already feel a huge burden being lifted off my shoulders. She is incredibly helpful, talented and capable. And she has helped introduce a proper project system for us and is already helping to strategize our next product launch and delegate tasks to my team members. She has helped to organize my thoughts into clear tables and strategies and plan out the exact timeline for our next big project. Now, I try to not get too far ahead of myself, but I'm really excited to have a new OBN on board and really glad I finally took this step. Honestly, it sometimes makes me wonder how I survived these three, four years as a business owner without an online business manager and managed to generate the revenue that I generated. But I'm really, really grateful that we have her now. And I can already see that my team has more clarity and they are also very efficient with their work now. And so I actually think that this was the probably the first hire that I should have done before I then went on and hired a podcast manager and a social media manager and all these other people because I needed this role that could really help be a second in command that could pick up on the things that I'm not good at in operations and to really help to keep me and my team on track with everything. And now that we are much more on track and organized, I can then introduce other people that we may need to help fill in specific roles. And then we can really identify where we need 
a new role and where we don't need to hire new people, right? And so I think that's what I've learned from the scaling pains and the, the mistakes that I've made with hiring. And it's to really learn the process of how to scale as a, you know, let's say a seven-figure company and trying to scale to a multiple seven-figure company. All right, speaking of revenue, my last lesson that I have learned is that increasing your top line revenue as a business is not always better. Now, let me explain. If you have a $1 million business and you're trying to grow your revenue, so you manage to really do that by scaling, spending a lot more in marketing or in team members, and you grow to $2 million in revenue, but your profit margins go from, let's say, 60% to 30%, then really, after all of your expenses, the total profit you're taking home is actually the same. But then the problems that you have as a business owner, as a $1 million business owner to a $2 million business owner could be very different. You have to manage more people. You have to do more work. Well, that's not always true, actually. It depends on what type of business you have. But you do have to manage more people. And if you also have a business that is based on like, clients or customers, then you have more customer service, right? Because if you sell, let's say you sell a thousand thousand dollar courses and you make one million dollars versus you sell two thousand dollar courses, you make two thousand dollars. You now have two thousand clients versus a thousand clients. So you just doubled your customer service workload, right? So that's what I mean by it's not always better to just simply increase your revenue in your business. You also have to be really cognizant of what your profit margins are. If you are scaling at the right pace, you know, you're not trying to scale too fast. And if you are still making sure that your team is pretty lean and that you are spending on things that matter. Also, you want to keep in mind that when you go from $1 million to like $2 million, let's say, just using our previous example, you might also be a lot more stressed. And so when I say it's not necessarily better, if you're going to take home the same amount after your expenses, is there really much point in just trying to expand your top line revenue when you're unable to also increase your profits at the same time, right? And I think that's something that I learned this year. And it's also one of the reasons I decided to kind of be a bit more chill and almost take a step back and not work so hard to hit specific numbers because I I wanted to spend some time finding um, projects and products that were more in alignment with me. And um, I didn't want to just forced to make revenue just so that I can claim that I grew from my last year. I I increased my revenue from last year and I didn't want to do that if it meant that my profits didn't also increase at the same time. This also meant that I would be a lot less stressed and also I found that I had a ton of free time this year. Um, But of course, it was still a good year for me personally as a business owner. Uh, It just wasn't my highest revenue year compared to my previous two years. All right, so that wraps up the five lessons that I wanted to share with you from my four years as a business owner, course creator, and my seven years as a content creator influencer. I really hope that this type of format is helpful for you and that the new information that goes beyond just creating content and being an influencer and working with brands was also interesting to you. 
Again, please, please feel free to send me a DM. I would love to hear from you and just know if you enjoyed this type of content, if you want to hear more of this, or if this is actually not relevant to you and you really wish I stuck to the influencer stuff. I just really would love your feedback and know if this is the right direction that we are moving in. And we have many exciting projects coming soon for 2024 and consistent podcast episodes also coming. So stay tuned to this space because good things are coming. So thank you again for tuning in and I'll see you in the next one. Thanks again for tuning in to the Full-Time Influencer Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone who could benefit from it. And I'll see you in the next one.